Well, hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Cliff Ravenscraft Show, a podcast devoted to helping you take your message, your business, and your life to the next level. This, my friends, is episode number 476, and I am your host, Cliff Ravenscraft, the podcast answer man. And today in the studio, actually not in the studio, but via Skype, virtually in my studio, Ray Edwards is on the line. Ray, how are you, brother? I am so excited to be here on the Cliff Ravenscraft Show. Well, I'm always excited to have you on the show. And today, you and I are going to talk about something I've heard you discuss with your son, Sean, on your podcast, The Ray Edwards Show. And you guys covered over the course of a couple episodes your seven phases of developing an online business. Yes. And at the time we did those episodes, there were only five phases. I, that's exactly what I was just th- getting ready to say. It's like, wait a second. I thought there were only five, but you've added some phases and I'm excited to have you on this show to have this conversation. The reason why, Ray, is because, as you know, I've been doing some one-on-one coaching slash mentoring for people who have wanted to get an online business off the ground. And I have two individuals that I'm working with. Every other week, I get on the call with them for an hour And the cool thing about doing one-on-one coaching is that you get to understand what are some of the pains and struggles and problems that exist for people who are just starting out. And you might think, why, Cliff, don't you already know this? You started out your own online business. Shouldn't you know all those pain points and some of those problems? But for me, well, that was almost eight years ago. And so I recognize recently from having these conversations that one of the struggles that people have, and I do remember this, was the fact that there are so many different things to do in a business. You hear, it's like, you've got to get your email list up and running. You've got to get your content rolling. You've got to set up your social media strategy. You have to, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, and it can be so overwhelming. Wouldn't you agree? Well, absolutely. It's so easy to get confused. And on top of that, you've got all these different voices ready to sell you something that will help you do that thing they're saying you should do. So it can get really confusing and overwhelming really fast. And you can end up spending tons and tons of money and not doing anything just because you're overwhelmed. That's what we're going to talk about today is to help give a big picture, an overview of what kind of things need to be done in creating a business and to try to give you Step by step, you know, where do you start and what's the next logical thing to go to so that you're not trying to do something, let's just say, from phase four or phase five in the process within your first few weeks of creating your online business? Well, that's exactly right. And that's how we developed this framework because we noticed that people tend to want to work on phase five first, and we'll get into what that is but I'll just give you the preview. That's what people want to jump into first or maybe phase three. It's one of those two. And a friend of mine, Armin Morin, a long time ago coined a term. He said, you suffer from out of sequentialism. And what he meant was, of course, you're doing things out of order. And we just noticed that people were in phase one of their business, what we designated as phase one, and they were trying to do phase five activities, no wonder they're having trouble. So it's important to get this stuff in the right order. If somebody's getting ready to launch their own business, the folks that I'm thinking of are people who are starting to go down the path that I have traveled. And that is you have a day job, something that you're doing full time, you're an employee somewhere else, and that's really been most of your adult life. You've worked for someone else, but you've been 
enticed and tempted to see the other side of the track. You, it, the grass looks greener over there. There's this online business. You can sit there and wake up in the morning and and every day be your own boss. You can choose what you work on, what you don't work on. You're actually doing work you are passionate about. You can choose who to work with and who not to work with. Boy, and, and not to mention the fact that there's no ceiling on your income ability. It's like, wow, this all sounds so incredible. I want to start my own online business. So let's just assume we're talking to those people, Ray. What is phase one? Where do you start in this process? Well, and you can start here if you're if you haven't started yet, or even if you're already deep into a business and you're you're feeling like you're about to drown, it's sometimes good to just go back to phase one. And that is phase one is to design your life. Design the life that you want to live. And I like to ask a few questions to help people get going on this. And I encourage journaling and writing as much detail as you can about the answers to these questions. What do you want your life to look like? And I don't mean in general terms, like I don't mean I want to have freedom and the ability to do what I want to do. And those are all good things. But specifically, what time do you want to start work? When do you want to end work? What days do you want to work? What days do you want to have off? And you're really making a list of what do you want to do and what do you not want to do? And then a secondary list would be what are you willing to do? Because there's a chance you're going to have to do some things, at least at first, that you don't want to do. But what are you, this is the most important part, what are you not willing to do? Because people forget to design their life first and they get all caught up in this idea of building a business. And the next thing they know they have lost their family or they've destroyed their marriage or they've gotten completely out of balance with their health because they didn't set up the game in a way that they could win to start with. Absolutely. And when I think about what are you willing to do and not willing to do, some topics in that area to focus on is how many hours are you willing to work each week on this business? And that's outside of your day job, outside of your other commitments that you have to the family, to any other organizations that you might be a part of. How many hours are you willing to devote to this thing that you're trying to build online? Yes. And a good thing to think about is ultimately how much money do you want to make? And you kind of work backwards from there. Um, If you know the number, let's call it your must number. For my business to be successful, I must make X number of dollars per year. Well, you can do the math backwards and figure out, well, if I'm willing to work 30 hours a week, and that's how many dollars I want to make per year, you can do the division pretty quickly and figure out how much you have to make per hour in order to make that income number. And so then you know what your time is valued at, and you can really establish pretty quickly, well, I need to make, let's just pull a number out of the air, say I need to make $100 an hour to make this thing work, and I'm doing $10 an hour work. There's a problem. The concern that I have is that I see a lot of people who say, okay, let's start there. Let's start with the end in mind. I need to make this much money and I want to make that much money within the first three months per month for my online efforts. And there are going to be some people where that's a no-brainer. They've been networking, they've been going to conferences, they've been producing blog content, and the thing they just need to quote-unquote turn a few things on and boom, that's very possible. But what I see a lot Ray, is people who are in phase one, they're trying to design their ideal online entrepreneurial life, what they want their life to look like within the first three to six months. 
And the problem is, is they want a lifestyle that's very similar to somebody who is about five to 10 years down the road in this. That's the lifestyle that they want as far as income and the number of hours and all that other stuff. But they want to achieve those things and they're actually starting with no social media presence on any of the social media channels and they have no blog content yet. They have no audience. They have attended no conferences in their area of interest. But yet they want from day one with starting with nothing, they want that within 30 days, 90 days or even six months. What are your thoughts on that? Well, that's probably an unrealistic expectation. It's not impossible. I've seen people do it, but it's probably not a good hurdle to set in front of yourself. You, I mean, you have to think of your business as having seasons. And if you think of like the seasons of your life, you're an infant and then you're a toddler and then you're a child. And during those infant to toddler to child years, you're learning how to do the most basic things, how to walk, how to talk, how to feed yourself, how to dress yourself. And in a lot of ways, when you're starting a business, you're kind of in the infant to toddler stage. So for those of us who are in that season of our life of our business, we've got to have a little grace for ourselves and understand that, uh, you know, Tony Robbins says, how long would you give your average baby to learn how to walk before you just told them that's enough? There's no more walking. Well, as long as it takes. So there is a season in your business where you, you may know what you want the ultimate business to look like, what the hours are, what the nature of the activities you're involved in may be. But in the beginning, you either probably have limited time and or limited money. So there are things you have to do yourself. It's called sweat equity for a reason. You have to work up a sweat to get the equity in your business. So even though you have the ideals designed ahead of time, I think that's really important. You've also got to understand that it may take some time for you to get there. Yeah. Give yourself grace. So phase one is to design what you want your life to look like. What are you willing to do? What are you not willing to do? So that's phase one. When do we actually start filing our corporate papers to get our federal ID numbers and all this stuff? I would be uh, hesitant to file my corporate ID numbers just yet. I think we need to look at, we have a framework for writing copy we call the pastor framework. And I, I won't go through the whole framework right now, but, um, well, I won't explain the whole framework right now. I'll tell you what it is just so you have the context. The letters of pastor, P-O-S-T-O-R, stand for, P stands for problem, pain, and person, or person, pain, and problem. Uh, the A stands for amplify, which means to amplify the problem and also talk about their aspirations. The S stands for story, struggle, and solution. The T stands for testimony. The O stands for the offer, what you're selling and how much you're charging for it. And the R stands for request a response, ask for the sale. So that's an outline we use for writing sales copy. And phase two really is the first part of that framework. It's the person, problem, and pain. And you start with the person. Who is the person that you're serving? Who is your ideal customer? What problem are you solving for them? You need a specific problem that you're solving. And what is the pain the person is experiencing? And it's really important to be able to define how they're experiencing the pain because how you think about the problem and the pain may be different than the way they perceive it. And if you don't talk about the problem and the pain in the way that they're experiencing it, they won't hear you because people do not believe you have a solution to a problem they do not think they have. Exactly. Let's just say Joe is the guy that we're talking about. Joe decided he wants to create a business. He's already got his niche 
figure it out. He's an ex- he was an expert in this area. He's had years of experience. He loves this. Wants to go out and do it on his own. He has decided who his target audience is. He knows what problem exists out there. But now what he needs to do is he needs to discover what pains is this person feeling and how can he go out and find out what those pains are and how they're communicating those pains? Well, the easiest way to do it is to start searching on social media for discussions about this very pain that we're discussing or pains that we're discussing. And you can use terms that you think they would be using. You can use keyword tools like the Google keyword tool to see what people are searching for on Google. Um, Something, I'll tell you a trick that I learned from Jay Abraham that is absolutely ingenious. And that is where you can get the language of your market for free in a couple hours. And that is you go to Amazon and you find books about the problem that you're solving. So if you're teaching how to lose weight and build muscle, you go and find books that are similar to, in the same vein, speak to the same kinds of people who have the same kinds of pain as your people. And you look at the most popular books and you read the reviews. And specifically, you want to zero in on, in my opinion, you want to zero in on the three-star reviews. Um, Because that's where you get, I believe, the most honest feedback about the books. And you get the good and the bad. And you also get to hear the frustrations. I wish this book had talked about blah, blah, blah. I wish the author would say this. I don't know why nobody ever deals with this problem. And after you've done that and you've collected those reviews and you've, I mean, copy and paste the language so you can start building a lexicon for how you're going to speak to uh, your audience in their own language. And that, if, if you can find a number of books that are very popular in your niche and you can start getting the language from the reviews of those books, you're going to be miles ahead. And then the old school way of doing it, which is actually the very best way, is to go out into the real world where you're people hang out and spend time with them, listen to what they say and write it down or record it. Just start becoming a noticer. Phase number three, what's number three? Phase number three is where you actually start thinking about building the product. It's how are you going to solve this problem that people have? How are you going to relieve the pain? And this is where we get down to the stuff that you are going to sell. Is it going to be a course Is it going to be coaching? Is it going to be a physical product? Is it going to be a book or an audio program? You need to decide really based on what your audience wants and what they will respond to. And that you can find out by looking at what they're already responding to in your, in your previous phase, as you're looking for language and so forth. Um, This is where you decide how you're going to build your product. And it's good to set a target for when it's going to be ready because Uh, This is one of the false starts that people can make. They can desire to jump right in and start building a product before they've done the previous two phases. And that's a big mistake because you've seen this and I've seen this. We've both seen people spend years building an elaborate, expensive product that ate up a lot of their time that nobody wanted to buy. And you don't want to be that person. You asked a question earlier. I'm going to address it. It's actually not part of the seven phases, but there is an appropriate time to start working on the actual physical and financial structure of your business, like having a bank account and getting an incorporation done, if that's what you're going to do, making those kinds of decisions. And so anywhere once you've advanced to the product and copy phase, which is the next phase, 
it's okay to start working on that. But I really look at those as details. They're important details. You have to do them. But these big phases that we're going through are the big rocks, if I can use Dr. Covey's analogy, that if you don't get these laid in first, all that other stuff gets in the way. So a lot of people will start by having their business cards made and their stationary design and their logo and the wrong place to start. What you just said kind of goes in line with, I think, what Dan Miller, our mutual friend, would say. And he says that, you know, when you start things out, it's okay for you to do this as a sole proprietor for a period of time until you actually do see some money coming in. And yes. and my own feeling is that when when you start to see, let's just say, more than $1,000 per month roll in from this, that's when it's time to say, okay, let's let's officially set up this business entity. And for those who are wondering where do you go to do that, my own personal recommendation, and Ray, I'll let you give your opinion on this, but I'd say go to a CPA. That's what I did personally. My CPA sat down with me, talked to me about the different LLCs, the S-Corps, the, you know, all the different options for business entities. He asked me a bunch of questions about my, what my goals were and how I was going to, you know, th- operate my business. And he gave me a personal recommendation. I personally ended up having an LLC corporation with an S-Corp election, whatever that means. But that's exactly what I have. <laughs> I think that's good advice. I I would also recommend going to a CPA. And uh, my CPA then referred me to an attorney who handled the legal parts of putting that all together. And there may be different, uh, different CPAs may have a different practice, but that's the way we did it. Well, eventually. Now, I actually made the mistake of going through one of these online services and doing it myself the first time around. And I don't recommend that because you don't get the kind of personal attention and expert advice that you need when you're setting it up that way. And we had to have a lot of things done over again because we had done it ourselves. And we did get it all straightened out, but it was an expensive mistake to make. So I think your advice of going to a CPA and taking their advice, if you're in Canada, I think you'd probably be seeing, a, I think, a chartered financial accountant, I think is the term there. But you know the equivalent if you're Canadian. Get an expert's advice and follow their advice. And I would like to interject here that neither Cliff nor myself are attorneys nor accountants, nor are we rendering legal or accounting advice. And should you need such advice, you should seek the services of a qualified professional. What he just said. Okay, so we've designed our life, phase one. Phase two, we've figured out the person, the pain, and the problem that we're solving. Now we've decided how, what kind of products or services we want to create. Then we go into phase number four. What is phase four? Phase four is your copy. You I believe every business needs to have a sales letter. And if you've never seen a sales letter, you probably have, maybe you didn't know what it was called. One of those long scrolling pages online that seems to go on for 10 or 15 pages and has big headlines. And sometimes in the past, they used to have like red marker and yellow highlighter on them. Um, I'm not recommending you actually do that most likely, but what I believe that a sales letter does, and the reason it's called a sales letter is because it originates from the old days when We used to send sales material in the mail with a stamp on it in the form of a letter. And it would start off, Dear Mr. Edwards, and then there would be the sales pitch. And the reason I believe that every business needs to have a sales letter is it serves as the manifesto or the glossary, if you will, of language for why your business exists, what problem it solves, what pain it relieves, and what the benefits of your products or services might be. 
And it gives you a, a way of understanding your own unique value that you will not have if you don't go through the exercise of writing your sales copy. And I believe the time to do it is before you actually start offering your product for sale. Now, if you've already started, you can always go back and do this, but it helps you articulate the important points, the value, the message, the position, how you address the pain, what the benefits of your product or service are. It helps you articulate those things to your person in a way that you won't be able to do in any other method. And if you want more information on this, I have an episode of my podcast called Does Everybody Need a Sales Letter? And that is uh, episode 248. So you can go to rayedwards.com slash 248 and find that episode if you want to know more about this. But I strongly recommend that you do this. And you won't find this recommendation in most business books because they just don't speak this language. But I really believe we need to be all be operating from a copy-centric position in our business. And the reason I say that is copy is the persuasive language that sells your products or services. And you can't do that really well unless you understand the people that you're working for and with, and you understand their pain, how they speak about it and how you can articulate it to them. You know, I've been hearing you talk about this for a very long time. I think naturally becoming from the sales background that I I have, I've been able to consistently hear people tell me what is it that they have found of value in me? What is it that drew them to me? And so I've been able to naturally use that. But I have no doubt in my mind, Ray, that if I was to go through, I know that you have the Copywriting Academy and you go through this, I believe, don't you, through the Copywriting Academy? Yes, we do. And I would, and thank you for mentioning that. I would say, Cliff, that one thing for people to keep in mind is you're unusual in, in a certain way. And that is you're one of the best verbal processors I've ever encountered. And you think out loud, don't you? I do. And you process ideas out loud. I mean, I all you got to do is listen to your podcast and you would know that. And so um, I believe that you actually have a sales letter in a way that most people will never be able to achieve it, which is just by speaking it out. You've said certain things so many times, you already have a lexicon of of words and phrases in your mind that come to you automatically. And so as people are working with you to learn to build their business, I think one of the one of the challenges they might have is they might think, I need to do this exactly like Cliff does and just be able to think on my feet and speak it out. I think for most people, it would be a real shortcut for them to actually write out their sales letter. And they don't have to buy my course. They can get my book, which is like 11 bucks on Amazon, or they can get some other book or course or whatever works for them on learning how to write sales copy. But the point is, I really do believe you need to have this kind of written manifesto of what your business is about. It'll change the culture of your company as you bring on more people, and it'll change the culture inside your own head as you're working with your customers and clients. Well, and I appreciate those very kind words that you said. And and still, even myself, I, I got to tell folks that I, I do plan on creating this sales letter. This is something that recently I've heard you've been talking about over the last several months. And it is going to be something that I personally am going to do, no matter how well I might have been doing this just naturally or, or out loud. And the same reason is that um, I, gosh, for years I heard uh, Dan Miller talk about creating a mission statement, just how important it is to have a mission statement. And I probably heard him talk about that for two years before I finally sat down and downloaded one of his resources to write out my mission statement. And boy, I can't even begin to tell you the number of times I go back and I refer to that mission statement just to remind me of who I am and what I do and why I do what I do. And hmm. and, and and that is just such a valuable resource for me to, and, and the cool thing is that I have it 
And it's gone through like five different revisions over the last several years. And each time I, I just become a, lo- a little bit more clear about who I am and what I do. And each time I do it, it becomes easier and easier to decide specifically what it is that I will always say no to. And it just frees up so much stress in my life to be able to answer emails and know that, you know what, I'm not going to feel guilty for not agreeing to do this thing that this person expects me to do for them because it's not who I am. It's not what I do. It's not, there's no reason for me to do that when I think about my overall mission and purpose. And I'm like, wow, that really frees me up. And so I, I know how much benefit doing something like a mission statement written out, even though I got by for years without it. I'm definitely going to do this sales letter. I think it's a good idea. Once you've got that written out, then you're ready to do what most people, after getting their business cards and their logo done, this is the next thing people usually want to do. Phase five, they want to start marketing. And we can see as we've gone through the sequence of the phases, how big a mistake that is if you haven't done the other work first. So this is where we start figuring out where are these people hanging out? We should already know that. Better yet, we want to know where are they looking for solutions already? Are they looking for solutions on Facebook? Are they looking for them through Google? Are they looking for them on podcasts? We need to know where the fish are before we start fishing. And then we can start developing our advertising strategy, which at first it may be word of mouth. It may be by posting to social media, depending on who our customers are, where they hang out, where they get their information. We need to develop an email sequence. This is something I know you've been spending a lot of time on lately and I've heard you talk about it. And you you are, one of the things I'll say about you, Cliff, is when you get on a subject, you master that subject. You've got focus like nobody I know. I appreciate that. Some call that obsessive compulsive disorder, but I'll take it as a compliment. That's what people who lack discipline call it. The important thing I wanna say to people when it comes to those things, don't wait for perfection either. Get out there, learn as much as you can, and then take action. But the interesting thing is there are always these things that people say, Cliff, you must do this. If you want to take your business to the next level, you must do this. If you want to be serious about your business, you must do this. And Ray, when it comes to email marketing, I this is something that I've heard, I would say, every single month since 2009, late 2008, everybody's like, Cliff, you've got to get serious about your email marketing. You've got to get serious about your email marketing. And it wasn't until October 2010 that I even started a mailing list. And even then, I did everything. You know, everybody's, Cliff, you've got to have a lead magnet. You've got to have regular, it's like I'm doing other things. My, I've got other things that I'm passionate about. For right now, I'm following my passion. Now, here's the thing. Looking back, I, I, I can only think of what my business would be like today if I got this passionate about email strategy, you know, five years ago, boy, I, and, and there's no question in my mind, I'd be light years ahead. But you know what? For whatever reason, it wasn't a priority and I just chose to focus on the things that I focused on. And I believe that the path that I've been down has been, for me, I'm satisfied with. I, you know, I'm changing some of that today and I'm experiencing the benefits of those changes. But the one thing I got to tell people is sometimes you just got to go with your gut and you got to do the things that you're passionate about. Does that make sense? Well, it makes total sense. And I think you illustrate a good point. And that is there's no one right way to do this. Um, I did all this the quote wrong way when I was starting my business. I mean, all of it. I got it all out of order. I made a lot of mistakes. 
these phases that we've been walking through, a, a lot of this has come from my own terrible experiences. And I realized, oh, I should have done this other thing first. It would have been so much easier if I had done that. So the best teacher in the world is experience. And it's also the most painful teacher in the world. So the really best teacher in the world is other people's painful experience. Exactly. What is phase six? Phase six is optimization. You, at this point, you have your blog, your podcast, your website set up, you have a product, you're selling it, you're making some money. This is where you optimize the performance of everything in your system. You're logging everything. You're tracking the things that you're working on right now. Your email click-through rates, open rates, response rates, um, the number of subscriptions or subscribers that you're picking up every day, the clicks on your ads, the um, people who show up for your webinars, when people leave your webinars, are they staying through the whole thing? You're tracking your video metrics if you're doing YouTube or if you're marketing through videos. And some of the most basic things, like how many sales do you have to make per day in order to for your business to be successful and profitable? And are you making those many sales? So you're looking for all the weak links in your operation and one by one, you're shoring them up and you're optimizing their performance. Excellent. So once you have your marketing in place and you, you're starting to see some sales come in, now it's time to optimize. You, you've already got the product service, things are rolling, but now let's, let's see how we can tweak a few things, maybe some split testing and see if we can get the metrics to make this even more profitable. Yes. And phase seven is scale or sale. So the reason there are two options here is because some people are going to want to scale their business and grow it and make it bigger. And I think you have to ask yourself, is my business a mission or is it a means? If it's a mission, I'm going to scale it because I don't want to let go of my mission. If it's just a means, if it's something that's providing me with income and wealth, there's nothing wrong with that, but I, I need to know that. So if I want to scale, I need to figure out how I'm going to grow what are the dangers of wild success? Like, what would I do if I suddenly had half a million visitors to my website today? Would I be able to handle that? That's a question you should probably ask yourself. And then on the other hand, if it's if your business is a means to an end, there may be a point where you want to sell it because that may be the way for you to get the value back out of your business. And this is where you start thinking about, and maybe it's a good thing to think about this earlier in the process, is your business sellable or are you the business? Because if you're the business, it's really hard to sell you. Yeah. And I just want to throw out there that it's okay if your business is you. I've actually seen a little bit of public shaming of people who are basically working for themselves. They, they actually, instead of working for another employer, their idea of the entrepreneurial dream life is to basically determine their own hours, what they work on, who they work with, and to be able to consistently be operating on a day-by-day -day basis, doing a specific task or a series of different tasks that they absolutely enjoy doing and serving people. As far as they're concerned, if they could do that every day for the rest of their life, they're going to be completely satisfied. And that, I believe, is an okay and worthy goal if that's what you choose for yourself. Yes, and there's absolutely no shame in that. I think Dave Ramsey is a great example of somebody who really is his business, but he's also built a very scalable business. He's got 600 people working for him. He owns a giant facility in the Nashville area, and he has a multi-million dollar worldwide empire. Um, so he's an example of somebody who is working for himself, and he is the business, but he's also created a very scaled, big enterprise. 
absolutely. Well, Ray, I know we could go on forever talking about all kinds of different things, but I just want to say thank you for taking the time to, number one, go through your own journey and see, you know, if you had to do it over again, what's the framework for doing this and for doing this for the clients that you work with as well, and then coming to share that here with my audience also. Well, I appreciate the invitation. It's always a pleasure and a privilege. Well, my friends, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Ray Edwards. Go check him out, rayedwards.com, and you definitely want to subscribe to his weekly podcast, The Ray Edwards Show. Also, I just want to say real quick, if you haven't done so already, make sure that you sign up for my podcasting newsletter. Every single week, I give away my best advice, tips, strategies, tools related to podcasting every single week, the best advice I've given to anyone I've ever worked with, with thousands of people, I'm giving away every Friday my best advice via email. You can head over to podcastanswerman.com slash list and sign up for my mailing list and you too can receive this free, highly valuable information related to podcasting. And of course, if you are thinking about launching a podcast or you want to take your existing podcast to the next level, My next podcasting A to Z online coaching program begins on Monday, January 2nd. You can go to podcastinga2z.com to learn more information. Of course, if you go to that page and you have any additional questions about the course, feel free to email me, cliff at podcastanswerman.com. I'll be happy to answer any questions you have about the course. I would love to have the opportunity to be your personal coach for four weeks either walking you through every single step in the process of successfully launching your audio podcast, not just any audio podcast, but a great, amazing sounding podcast. I would love to help you do that. And of course, those of you who do have a podcast already, if you would love to just have the ability to ask me an unlimited number of questions for a four-week period of time, I would love to give you that opportunity through this course. Head over to podcastinga2z.com. Thank you guys so much. And until next time, I encourage you to take everything you do to the next level. Podcast! Add some math.